Well, good morning, Coastal Church. Man, haven't we had a great morning of worship so far? The kids leading us in singing and worship team, thank you very much. And, you know, I'm going to be coaching the worship team going forward so that they know that uh, the only appropriate jersey on stage is a Seattle Seahawks jersey. But Antoine, thanks for singing and helping us lead this morning. It's great having you. So um, do me a favor of your Bibles. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And I'm finishing up a series that I've been doing called Hymnology. And we've been uh, looking at some of the hymns that have been passed down through the church for generations. And, and this, 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 this idea was kind of birthed in my heart as uh, through some of our college students, Andrew and some of you guys, Joel, you know, as you guys have been leading at Coastal from time to time. And you guys have been kind of reintroducing us to hymns. And, and seeing that happen in the hearts of our college students, our college ministry, you know, God has kind of done something in my heart and made me think through, like, why is it that these songs that have been around for hundreds of years, they kind of don't go away and they keep bubbling up? And it's been really neat to unpack these songs and, and, and share them with you, the congregation, and then sing them at the end of the service. And so that's part of where it came from. But part of it, uh, this series was birthed out of the idea of us as a church understanding that way. When we sing to the Lord, uh, it's not just the beat or the tempo, although those things are important for our culture and to reach our culture, but more than that, it's, it's understanding that the words that we sing are equally important, that we sing words of truth, and, and what's amazing to me, and I know this is true, you don't remember what the preacher says, right? I get that, but what we do remember when we leave here is the songs that we have sung, they go with us all throughout the week. Yes, I don't know if that ever happens to you, but I find myself singing the songs that we sang here on the weekend service all throughout the week. And what's important in that is that we're singing truth so that the truths of God are in our hearts and in our minds. And what happens is when we go through a difficult stretch in our week, a song will come to mind and the truth in that song will, will refill our hearts and reconnect us with the living God and the truths of the God that we worship. Yes. And so at my, and so this morning we're going to look at a song, a Christmas carol actually, uh, called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing was written by John Wesley some three to 350 years ago. He was the founder of the Methodist Church. Uh, the reason he birthed the Methodist Church is he had very strict uh, rules for growing in discipleship, and he called these rules his methods, and out of that came the... Methodist Church, you guys are sharp, okay? So he wrote this song called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's a great song with much truth about Christmas. Uh, but there's a danger, and the reason I'm talking about truth this morning in song is in my house, a favorite this time of year is a guy by the name, the, the theologian uh, Tim Hawkins. He's a comedian, actually. So, all right. So, Tim Hawkins is a favorite at my house, and he tells a very funny story about a Christmas song that we often sing, but if you pause and listen to the words, the words really make no sense. Watch this. But Christmas is kind of bittersweet for me because when I was a kid, my first time performing, I was six years old. And uh, I was performing in our Christmas pageant at church, and I had one line in one song. It was the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I messed it up. I sang, a child, a child, sleeping in the night with a tail as big as a kite. That's not the way that song goes, ladies and gentlemen. People get mad when you sing about baby Jesus with a tail. The thing 
about that song, Do You Hear What I Hear? It's Psycho. Who wrote that? Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. I think the shepherd boy's been in the field a little too long, don't you? <laughs> Talking to the sheep. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, we got to tell the mighty king. It's worse, they go to the mighty king, you know. A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket? How about some soup? Child shivered in the cold! <laughs> Throw some gold on him, he'll be fine. <laughs> he's got pneumonia, but he's loaded. That kid is gonna be <laughs> You'll never hear that song the same again, will you? So he just messed that one up for me. But, but the important thing, what I want to teach you this morning is the words are as important as the tune, right? And I, we want you to leave here at Coastal when we sing and to sing truth so that the truths of God are with you all throughout the week. And so this morning we're going to kind of unpack this, the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and it's, it's a call to worship the God of the universe in flesh, in Christ, a call by the angels, they're the herald of God that are announcing the birth of royalty. And we find this in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 is the uh, Christmas story as told by Luke in that gospel. And in Luke, he says this, he said, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Now the them are the shepherds. And it says he appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them he said, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And so Wesley calls us to join with this heavenly chorus, if you will, and announce singing glory to the newborn king. And so I want to bring to you three quick points that are pulled out of this song that will help remind us what we're singing about at Christmas time. The first thing is, is that uh, we're reminded in this song that we're singing to Emmanuel. It's probably my favorite word of Christmas, actually. Next to iPad, okay? But uh, anyway, yeah, no, my favorite word of Christmas is Emmanuel because it means God is with us. It means that we worship and serve a God who is not a distant God. Some of you in this room, God seems really distant to you right now, and I would encourage you to look into the truths of the Christmas story, because the truth of the Christmas story is that the God of the universe is not a distant God, but rather he's Emmanuel. He has wrapped himself in flesh, and if this is true, then everything about our lives changes, that God's not a distant God. We worship a God who walked through life, through the same difficulties and challenges and things that we face. In Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet Isaiah, uh, in, in painting for us a picture of what the coming Messiah might look like and some of the things and challenges that he would face, Isaiah 53 says, he was despised and he was rejected. He was a man of sorrows. I mentioned this last week. It was reaffirmed to me this week. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I was 
uh, doing some stuff with my kids. I ran into somebody in the community. We were talking about Christmas, and they were telling me, they said, you know what, Christmas this year is going to be really difficult for me because in the last five months, I've, I've buried both my parents, or in the last year, I mean, and they said it was a year ago Christmas Day that my mother passed, and she was just talking to me. She was like, you know, this time of year is really, really difficult, and I always say that the holidays are they're kind of two spectrums, right? I mean, if you're doing well and things are going great, man, it, the holidays can be great, but there's others in this room that the holidays are incredibly difficult because you're not kind of feeling the same celebration that it seems like everyone else is feeling. I've got really good news for you. The God of the universe knows what it's like to go through and suffer difficulties. I say this is our Messiah, our Savior. He's a man of sorrows. He's, he is acquainted with the bitterest of grief. And, but we turned our backs on him. We looked the other way when we, when we went by. He was despised and we didn't care. Emmanuel is God with us. The book of Hebrews says that this high priest that we have in Jesus Christ, he, he knows exactly what we go through. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Hebrews 4.15 says that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of them the same. The same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. We worship a God who is near. He's Emmanuel, God with us. My father-in-law is a is a professional soccer coach. Do I have any soccer fans in here? All right, a couple of y'all. Okay, and so a couple weeks ago, he was telling me he got to, had the opportunity to go up and train the New York Red Bulls. And the New York Red Bulls have a, a guy on their team that at one point in his career was probably the best soccer player in the, in the world. His name was Terry Henry. Am I saying that close? No. Terry Henry. Terry Henry got to train him. So is there anybody who said that? Raise your hand. Joel. You know who he is? Okay, does anybody else know who he is? About four people, right? Americans have no idea. And so as he was training Henri, he, he asked him why he came to the New York Red Bulls, why he had left some of the European leagues. And, and he said, well, he said he loves playing in America because nobody knows who he is. He said, when other countries, when I go out to eat, when I go to the mall, I get mobbed by people. Yet, if he was worshiping here with us this morning, none of us would know who he is. Is that right? Except for four of you. All right. And he said, I love that. I love being anonymous. You know, and I thought about that. I thought, you know, Christmas is a little bit like that for some of us in this room. We're passing right by the greatest story on planet Earth, and we have no idea what's going on around us. We have no idea what we're worshiping, what we're singing about. One of the things I love about the Christmas, about Christmas time is the songs of Christ are on all over the place. You notice that? Places that would rebel against the teachings of Christ, institutions that would never allow anything talked about about Jesus Christ, suddenly they're singing about a, a baby being born of a virgin. I feel like going, do you know what you're singing? Have you ever considered the, the songs that are on in your institution? And many of us, maybe in this room, in the hustle and bustle and busyness of the season, maybe even followers of Christ, you fail to take a moment to breathe it in and think about for the briefest of moments, Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. And let me encourage you not to pass by the greatest story on planet Earth and not take a few minutes and consider what that means. It means that we worship a God who is involved He's not a distant God. He, he rolled up his sleeves. He got dirty. He's interested in the decisions that you make. 
I mean, we, in fact, the Hebrews 4, the passage we just looked at, I mean, how incredible. We have a high priest that we get to enter into the holy of holies, the throne room of God because of Jesus Christ, and he's interested in your decisions. How many of us fly through our week, make decision after decision, and never consult the God of the universe? He's interested. Pray and ask him in the name of Christ. Emmanuel, God with you. He's interested in our challenges. He's interested in our joys. He's, he's interested in our hurts. He's, he's interested in when we make mistakes that we can come to him and have a fresh start. You see, Christmas is, is more than a feel-good story. It's more than the most wonderful time of year. Christmas is the intervention of the God of the universe on planet Earth. It's God wrapped, wrapped in flesh, his son, Jesus Christ. And the first advent, that's what we call this, the first advent was Christ coming in humility, wrapped in the, coming as a baby, growing up the way we grew up. The first advent is God concealing his complete glory. God concealing his judgment, God concealing his complete character. The second advent, the next time he comes, which I love that song, Glory Day, because we, we sing about when the trumpet will sound and when he comes again. By the way, church, when he comes again, people that don't know him will not have an opportunity to bow in submission to him. That time will be judgment. And the time for repentance and getting right with God will be done for all eternity. And if you're here this morning, you've been passing by the Christmas story, and because of your pride or cynicism or or lack of, of investigation, let me encourage you, the first advent is an opportunity to get right with the God of the universe. The second advent will be his judgment, and he will come in all his power, and the Bible says even his enemies will bow to his lordship at that moment. But on this side of the second advent, we have an opportunity to bow in humble submission and worship to him. Because the second point of this great song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is that God is doing something. Uh, Wesley wrote, he said, peace on earth and mercy mild. Why? Because God and sinners are reconciled. It's the reconciliation of God to man. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. This is one of the verses, by the way, that we use when we do baptism. A couple weeks ago, we did our baptism. I don't know how many of y'all were here for that. It's my favorite, one of my favorite services at Coastal Community Church when people stand up and they say, you know what? They stand in front of this church and say, I used to live for me. I used to live the way I wanted, but I've now understood that, it, that the Christmas story is true, that Emmanuel is God with us and I bow a knee to Christ. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's words, the old way that they used to live is dead and gone and now they're alive to the things of Christ. By the way, that's a spiritual thing. Some of you in this room, you remember that, right? You remember while you were sitting here and there's a couple times you came and you were like, man, I don't understand why these people are all into this Jesus thing. And then something starts to happen, right? Your eyes start to be open to the spiritual realities of God. And suddenly this stuff starts making sense to you, right? It's like your spiritual blinders come off and suddenly you go, you know what? If I'm understanding what's happening here and I'm understanding correctly, I'm understanding the God, the universe, and the teachings of Christmas and the teachings of Easter and the teachings of the resurrection, I can't live the way I used to live anymore. I've got to change my life. I've got to be holy for the holy God that we worship. And Corinthians says, man, when you understand the message of Christmas that God is reconciling, he's restoring broken relationships, I have to, the dead, the old life has to be gone, a new life has begun. Verse 18, and all of this, he says, is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The word reconcile seems like a big church word, but it means to restore 
relationships to harmony. And the amazing thing about the message of Christmas and the message of the gospel is it is God himself who took the initiative and saw this reconciliation process for, for you from beginning to end. Last week we looked at Hebrews said Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He sought you first. John chapter 6 verse 44 says, Jesus said this, he said, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Some of you in this room, the, the God, by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit, has been drawing you unto himself, and your pride keeps pushing back. I fear that there may be a day where God says, you know what, I'm done with you. This is a very scary moment. I want to encourage you, if God is drawing you, open your heart to the things of God. Why? Because he loved you first. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when, when we were still sinners. We, we wanted nothing to do with him. He still loved you unconditionally, right? You know, one of the great things about being a parent is, is you, when you have children, you immediately know unconditional love, don't you? you? You can look at your kid and say, I don't like you right now, but I love you. I always love you, right? You know, you know that feeling. Because you, it's just this natural thing. And God says, you know, even though you're a sinner, even though you're about, there's this, there's this sense in which God loves you. And he took the first step in trying to restore and reconcile this relationship. And the greatest gift he gave you was his son, Jesus Christ, to take care of your sin problem that you could never take care of on your own. Because of God's character, his holiness, and his justice, sin demanded a penalty. And that penalty, by grace through faith, is poured out on God's son, Jesus Christ, the cross. At, behind every manger scene, there should be the shadow of a cross. Because it is the cross of Christ that is the step that God took to reconcile us to himself. Christmas is a rescue mission from God. For the Son of Man, Luke 19, Jesus taught this. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. We're going to sing about in a minute through Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We're going to sing about that God and sinners are reconciled by the grace and love and mercy of God alone because of his grace. And because of his love for you. The third thing I want you to see, and we understand that the true meaning of Christmas is that it, the end result of Christmas must always be worship. It must always be worship. And worship is, is not just singing, although that's part of it, but it's a, it's a holistic thing where God gets a hold of your heart and you understand everything about me is, is now in submission to the things of God. I'm going to do my, live my life the way God would have me live my life. Wesley wrote, he said, joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumphs of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim Christ. He's born in Bethlehem. You know, uh, we learn from the wise men in the Christmas story, right? The wise men in the Christmas story, they saw a star. They were sent by King Herod, and they were sent to find this newborn king. And in Matthew chapter 2, I love, I love the wise men because I think they give a great picture of what worship probably should look like in our lives. In, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And when they saw the star, the first thing, they were filled with joy. I mean, they were filled with joy, and then they entered the house. And, and by the way, it, it probably... Uh, the wise men were not there on Christmas night at the little stable, okay? It probably took a while for them to find the fact that this, this verse indicates that they showed up at Mary and Joseph's house. So, you know, what I do because I'm a preacher and I take all this stuff way too seriously, I go around my house and I take the wise men away from the nativity scene. They don't belong there. Everybody knows that, you know. 
traumatizes my children. Stop putting the wise men at the divotine. You know, they don't belong there. But anyway, they entered the house. It's terrible living with a preacher. I can tell you that right now. It's terrible. You don't ever get to say bad words or anything crazy like that. But they entered the house, and they saw a child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. Listen, they bowed down, and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, their worship has a couple things that we can look at, and we can kind of inspect and see if our hearts have the same worship. First of all, they worshiped with their attitude. It says, man, they, they went with joy. They went with joy to, to find the new king, the savior. And I always say this, you know, as Christians, man, we run the risk. If you run in Christian circles long enough, Christians can be the grumpiest lot. Have you ever noticed that? Like, they're just grumpy. You know, they get all sideways about crazy stuff, and they're just no fun to be around, right? And I always say that an overflow of a real heart of worship is a person that's filled with joy, and it's the kind of person that you, you enjoy being around. One of the strange things about Jesus and his ministry, by the way, is how people that didn't know God were strangely attracted to him, and the people that did or thought they knew God, they were strangely repulsed by him. Jesus had this attractiveness that people just wanted to be around him. Why? Because he was filled with joy. He was perfectly filled with joy. But a worshiper is someone whose heart overflows with joy because they know the God of the universe. The second thing is they kind of worshiped them with their heart. There was this humble submission. They bowed a knee. I want you to see this for a minute. These are adult learned men who had traveled a long distance, who had a lot of wealth. You already see that they brought a lot of wealth. They had plenty of money. Yet when they come to Christ, they bow a knee to this child because they understood the message. They understood what God was doing, that God had wrapped himself in flesh. And the only appropriate thing they could do was bow a knee to his lordship and leadership. Some of you in this room, man, your pride has kept you from that. And it's keeping you from worshiping and experiencing all that God has for you because you haven't yet bowed a knee to Christ. And maybe this morning the Holy Spirit's tugging your heart saying, hey, make this the Christmas. That as the, the understanding of the Christmas story comes to your heart and comes to your mind, that like these wise men, which is a great term for them, because wisdom starts when we bow a knee to the God of the universe. And the wise men bowed a knee in worship to him. Second thing, the third thing is in their worship, they gave him their best. They gave him their best. They opened up large gifts and donated large gifts to Jesus Christ. Paul Harvey, I've told this story before. Paul Harvey shares a, a true story of a woman who uh, had found a butterball turkey in her freezer. And apparently at the time, I don't know if it's true now, but apparently at the time, butter, the butterball company had a, a hotline that you could call um, and get advice on how to cook your butterball turkey. And so this woman had found this butterball turkey in the back of her freezer, and apparently this butterball turkey had been in the back of her freezer for somewhere in the neighborhood of 23 years. And so she calls the butterball turkey hotline, and she says, hey, I found this turkey. It's been in my freezer for 23 years. I was wondering if it would still be safe to serve. Well, this kind of took the hotline operator off guard, and, she, and, and so she said to this lady, she said, well, I think it's, it, you know, has it been below zero for all these 23 years? And she goes, I think so. And she says, well, it's probably safe to serve, but after 23 years of being in the freezer, it probably doesn't have much flavor anymore, so it may not be worth serving. To which the lady said, well, that's what I thought. 
I think I'll donate it to my church. <laughs> so, now here's my point, and we're going to work with the assumption that <clears throat> you and I understand that the, the church, I believe, is the hands and feet of Christ, okay? It's the truth bearer of the message of the gospel and of our Bibles, and so, you know, but my point is a lot of times when we come and worship God, even in our local church, we, we give God our second best, right? I'll just give this to the church. I'll just donate this to God. I'll sign up for this ministry, but I won't take it that seriously. I'll sign up for a ministry that, you know, but I won't show up. I'll come to corporate worship, but, man, I'll walk in all distracted, and by the way, I'm so thankful you're here this morning, and I know it's difficult to get here. And I talked to someone here this morning that left their house at 7 o'clock this morning to be here, and I appreciate that. And if you have young kids, man, I appreciate how hard it is to get to Coastal Community Church, get them all hoarded into the van and get them here and all that. I appreciate all that. But, man, I want you to, I want to challenge you with this. When you walk in here and you, you, we have corporate worship together, that your heart is engaged to sing praise to the God of the universe, and your heart is ready to hear the truths of God's word, and you're ready to God. Say, God, send your Holy Spirit. If there's anything in my heart, anything in my life that needs to change so that I can worship you with all my heart, I want to do that because I don't want to be a person that gives God his second best. The wise men open their treasure chest, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about a holistic life, although that may be part of it. God, I'm going to give you my best. I'm not holding out on you because this message is that incredible. The final thing I want you to see this morning is to worship God with song. You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, this morning, and could you imagine Christmas without music? Think about it. it, it like, we kind of grow up, it kind of goes hand in hand with Christmas, is the singing. And like I said earlier in the sermon, I mean, we hear it all over the place. You go through, you know, last year this time, my in-laws took me up to the Great Wolf Lodge. You know, I was walking with the Great Wolf Lodge, and here was all this Christmas music playing. And, you know, and I was thinking, like, you know, like, do these people understand what they're hearing and what we're singing about? You know, every radio station is playing Christmas music. Every shopping mall is playing Christmas music. And here's these great songs about the Savior, God with us. And it's all throughout our culture, and I love it. Can you imagine Christmas without music? And, and I want to encourage us as a church when we gather, and it's a, an appropriate way to kind of finish this series on hymns, that when we gather corporately, we have an opportunity to sing to the God of the universe. Singing is a natural overflow of this great message. It's natural. I, uh, in fact, even this morning we were singing that last song, and I reached down, and as I was coming up to put my microphone on, and for a moment I thought my microphone was on, and I had a panic attack. Oh, no, you know. They heard me, right? But, but I can't help myself. I, I come in here with you guys, and I hear you as a congregation praising God, and no matter where my heart is, man, my heart gets engaged, and I praise God. And isn't it interesting, at the announcement of the birth of Christ, God sent a choir of angels to sing praise to God and to sing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards man. They couldn't help themselves. The book of Psalms, 150 chapters of praise right in the middle of your Bible is a song book. The last one talks about praise God with everything. The guitar and the drums and the cymbals and your vocal cords. And, and there's, in Psalms it says if, if we don't praise him with our lips, the rocks will cry out to him. It's natural for us to sing praise to God. And God's been working that in my heart. 
And church, I want to encourage us when we come in here, and I know it can be exhausting to get here, but when you get here, first of all, get here on time. Let me ask you all a question. What time does the 9 o'clock service start? <laughs> well, 9 o'clock, right? So get here on time and be ready to sing praise to God. It's an amazing opportunity in your week. And as followers of Christ, you know, I know most of us, man, we would never show up to work late. Never. Never. But yet we're, we meander in late, and the church is an opportunity that some folks at Coastal work really hard on to help prepare your heart to sing praise to God. It's a great opportunity. And so come in and be ready to sing praise to Him. And that's a, a big part of the message of Christmas is an opportunity to change a sour, old, yucky tune to a praise and a word of praise and truth to the living God. I want to finish with a story, and then we're going to close with prayer. I heard this story this week. I read this story this week, a story told by a pastor, <clears throat> and tells the story of a Christmas Eve service that he went to in 1990. And, uh, and so I'll just read the story. He said, I came. Uh, he said, we, uh, we, were, we were new to town, uh, and we heard a cert- that a certain church in town had a fantastic Christmas Eve service. So we went with some friends, about 10 of us total, to this church in downtown Princeton, New Jersey. The church was packed, and we were looking forward to a wonderful night. He said, our first clue that something was a little off was when the usher gave us the night's bulletin, and the bulletin warned us that there would be absolutely no talking before, during, or after the service. Just before the service started, an associate pastor, we'll call him Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff, an associate pastor came out and requested that those in the congregation please refrain from singing for the paid professional choir found it difficult to perform with unprofessional singing. Well, the service started with the hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. Well, who can resist singing, O Come All Ye Faithful? The now familiar usher appeared and he hushed our unprofessional row right up. And he was quite menacing. The second hymn was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I I have to admit that the choir was quite good, but unlike the rest of the congregation, our row couldn't resist singing, and we jumped into the second verse. Immediately, our usher was upon us, this time giving us our final warning. One more time, and you're out. Welcome to church. Okay, so there you go. It was miserable, he said. This, this usher would stroll by our pew every few minutes and give us a piercing glare. Christmas hymn after Christmas hymn, and we couldn't sing a word. We were like prisoners in our pew. Did we really sing that poorly? Finally, the service was ending, our candles were lit, and the hymn Silent Night was just beginning. Well, I ask you, who can resist singing Silent Night on Christmas Eve with a candle? It's irresistible. <clears throat> Soon a heavy hand fell upon my shoulder. You have to leave, son. You're singing again. It was our ever ever vigilant usher. I didn't move. And again I heard, you have to leave, son. You're singing again. At this point, we were on the last verse of Silent Night. And in unified Christmas Eve defiance, our whole row started to sing. And we sang the hymn with ever-increasing gusto. I love that story. It's sad. But I love that story because... As I think about the story of Christmas, 
when I really take a moment to pause and I consider that God wrapped himself in flesh and became Emmanuel, God with us. When I, when I really consider that at his own expense, God came up with his own rescue plan and rescued me from the justice that my sin deserved. There are few options that make more sense to me than that of worship. The only thing that makes real sense to me is worship to God with my heart, with my life, with my mind, with my actions, and with my tongue. And I can't help but join with 350 years of church people, 350 years of Christians. 350 years of followers of Jesus Christ who join together in song at Christmas time and sing, Hail, the heaven born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. He's risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark! The herald, the angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love Christmas time. God, our culture, it's woven in some things that I know are not from you, but it is woven in some things that are from you, God. Thank you, God, for this time of season where we pause and we remember that you are God with us, that you're the one that came up with the rescue plan, that you're the one, God, that paid the penalty for my sin, that you're the one who laid aside your glory. You're the one who wrapped yourself in flesh. You're the one that paid a debt that I owed. You're the one that gives me hope that the grave does not have final say. You're the one that gives me the hope that one day we will rise when you return. You're the one that reminds, you, reminds me that every time we go to a funeral of someone that knows you as Savior God, that grave does not have final say over them. But rather, Jesus Christ does. And we give you praise. And as your church, God, we will praise you with our lips. And we will worship you as Savior. And we will join with the angels as a herald announcing the birth of the newborn king. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time. And uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, first of all, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we do not want you to feel any obligation to give. This offering is one of the ways at Coastal we worship the Lord. And so if you'd like to join us in that, you're welcome to, but don't feel an obligation. As a guest, we'd love to have one thing from you. Side of that bulletin's a tear-off. If you just give us your mailing information, we want to send you a thank you card for coming. And uh, we're going to do what we've done the last few weeks during the offering time. Uh, we're going to sing this hymn. We're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And, and while Joey leads us, uh, you're welcome to join in. And I promise you, no ushers will kick you out. All right, Joey. <laughs>